Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
family, our friends, our church family, our neighbors, Lord, associates. Bless my life, Lord, for that so bless those, Lord, who listen to us, listen, who are who struggling, Lord, with alcohol and drugs.
call for ministry uh, in Brazil while working with street children. And uh, when I got back, determined to go to divinity school and um, to seek ordination. I grew up a Presbyterian, and that's how I ended up in the Presbyterian Church. Spent some time at a larger member congregation and uh, learned a lot of things. And after that, decided um, that there was this entrepreneurial side of me that needed to be explored and um, was foolish enough to try to start a church from scratch. So uh, that'll be the first and uh, only church that I will ever launch. So. <laughs> Well, in 2011, you did launch a new Presbyterian church there in downtown Columbia called Downtown Church, and in just a few years, it's grown rather dramatically. Well, what was the process for starting this church? People ask me that question a lot, and uh, I wish there was a scientific formula that I could share with you. Uh, I tell people that it's a lot like selling insurance if you've never sold it before. You start with your family and your friends, and you mm-hmm. hope that they sign up, and then you go to concentric circles uh, mm-hmm. beyond them. Uh, so you grow uh, as organically as possible at a pace that you can sustain. And the idea is to really get to critical mass, which is once you've determined your worship space, what does it look like for that worship space to have enough people in it that mm-hmm. the church seems to be alive? And you know, if you're meeting in someone's living room, that number might be 10. Uh, in the space that we were meeting, uh, we knew we needed to get to about 130 people mm-hmm. that were committed to coming on a regular basis so that if anyone walked into the church and was a guest, they would feel like something was happening here uh, that was mm-hmm. alive. Mm-hmm. So uh, once we got to critical mass, we launched the church about 11 months after we started, and um, it's just been growing since then. So how would you describe the focus of ministry there? Who are you trying to reach and serve in the community? The churches uh, in downtown Columbia, um, we're one of just a few Presbyterian congregations there. As you can tell by our name, we purposefully left Mm -hmm. out Presbyterian Mm -hmm. from uh, the name of the church. If you were to attend a worship service there and you were Presbyterian for the last 50 years, you would know it was a Presbyterian church. Um, Mm -hmm. It is an unusual experience, I would say, uh, for people because oftentimes they're expecting one thing and what they get is another. We don't have screens. Mm -hmm. Uh, We use a program. We have an ordered service of worship with a liturgy. Typically the sermon will uh, come from the lectionary. Mm -hmm. The music is played with modern instruments, but um, we do uh, songs that uh, you would hear in many traditional churches. I think it'd be hard to call us a contemporary Mm -hmm. church. Um, So it's very contextual. Um, That's We focus on that, making sure that the church feels like it should be in Columbia. It's welcoming. It's open. It's it's hospitable. Um, There are a lot of people, I think, there that have been burned by um, their church experiences in other places Mm -hmm. and have been on uh, an extended vacation or break from church that have come back. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we let people move at their own pace. We don't see it as a destination or a ending point for mm. people on their faith journey. We just uh, imagine that it's a place for people to stop for a while, and we celebrate people leaving as much as we do them coming. Mm. So. so what does the future look like for downtown church? I've tried to predict uh, <laughs> the church's future from its very beginning, and um, it's been really hard. We're always try to remain open to the surprising movements of God's Spirit, and to be able to respond to those movements, I think you have to 
agile, and it gets harder to be nimble and agile as you get bigger. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I, I think that we have about 300 people in worship on the typical Sunday. There's maybe almost 500 people that are members of the church now, and um, it's it's it, anything beyond that begins to really feel like a um, for me at least as a pastor mm-hmm. feels. To, to just feels big, um, and uh, while we do celebrate bigness um, in many ways in our contemporary culture, um, for us at least, I think for the identity of our church, that we hope to continue sending people off to mm-hmm. go do other things, mm-hmm. and I think growing for us might look like starting other churches as opposed to just getting bigger in one spot. Right. So you preach regularly, not only at downtown church, but also at a variety of conferences and settings. How do you approach preaching? No one has ever asked me that question, um, and I've never been I've never had to answer um, that question for uh, for someone else. I would say I try to preach the sermon that the text is giving me, mm-hmm. and I pay particular attention to the style uh, of the text. If it's a narrative text, my my sermon will typically go in that direction. Mm-hmm. I listen for words. Um, as I'm reading the text that uh, resonate with me. And that's where it typically begins. And from there, I try to find uh, a a focal point and uh, try not to preach more than one sermon on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. It's really important uh, for me, I think. And also think about the lives of the people that are sitting out in the chairs on Sunday. What is the word of God that they uh, need to hear on this day? But I try not to think about them too much because I think you end up preaching a lot of different sermons when you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I also have to pay close attention to what is the word of God that I need to hear. Mm-hmm. And I found that most of the time, if I write a sermon for myself, that it speaks to other people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I preach from a manuscript. I spend a lot of time writing and, uh, that gives me freedom strangely, those boundaries, and mm. gives me freedom uh, when I get to Sunday morning to be able to, you know, figure out my cadence and my rhythm mm-hmm. and, you know, how I want to deliver the sermon. And also constricts me because I don't, I mean, I don't want to sit and listen to a 25-minute sermon. <laughs> so um, I know exactly how long I should be preaching as well. So. Well, your sermon today draws from the Bible's final book, Revelation, from chapter 1. Would you read it for us? Revelation 1, 4-8. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Amos, we look forward to hearing more about this. Your sermon is entitled, Is, Was, Is to Come. Thank you for being with us. Good to be here.
friends that claim to not dream. I have other friends that keep a journal beside their bed so that they can record their dreams as soon as they wake up. I don't record my dreams in a journal because, well, someone might find that journal and read it. Most of my dreams are harmless, mundane variations of my real life. For instance, one time I had a dream in which I only wore red clothes. Hat, shirt, belt, pants, socks, shoes, everything was red. I was adamant in that dream about the particular shade of red I wore. And that red could only be found at one store. And the dream consisted of me annoying a bunch of people with this idiosyncrasy. And by the end of the dream, I lost all my friends. Could there be some truth buried deep within my unconscious regarding the color red? Maybe. But when I woke up, I didn't bother to explore that possibility. I just laughed and wrote it off as an absurd and impossible scenario. But not all my dreams are laughable. Some of them get a little too close to the truth. Recently, I had a vivid dream that included real people in my life and some unfortunate events that were my fault. The dream was so believable that for a few seconds after waking up, I was in a state of panic and regret. I soon realized it was a dream and I was relieved, even proud of myself for what I then knew I had not done. I resolved to tell no one and do nothing about the dream. When the recipient of the apocalyptic vision we call the revelation of John woke up, he had to tell someone. He had to record his travel to the heights of heaven in a dream journal and hope that someone would find it. That they would find it and know that the dream imagined a reality that is and was and is to come. That they would find it and be able to trace a portrait of the truth that superseded time space, and the material world we inhabit, that they would find it and know that it wasn't supposed to be like this, and it wouldn't be like this forever. It is, it was, and it is to come. This dream, this revelation of a heaven where seven spirits are before the throne and beside them is Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead who loves us and freed us from our sins, and made us to be a kingdom of priests serving God. This dream, this all-access pass to the serenity of heaven, where everything appears to be put together from beginning to end, and nothing is left to chance, not the Alpha or the Omega, and God is in complete and total control because it all is, it all was, and it all will be. This dream this revelation from heaven of eternal completeness that runs concurrently with the confusion, chaos, violence, and apparent absence of God down here on earth. The rest of John's vision is an expansion of the themes introduced to us here in the first chapter. The most prevalent of those themes is the possibility of wholeness, that the separation between heaven and earth will disappear, and that time, represented by the past, present, and future, will be erased by the emergence of eternity. Or, as it is stated here in our reading, God is, was, and is to come. 
Jesus is coming again, and in between there are seven spirits, seven golden lampshades, seven stars, seven torches, seven eyes of the Lamb and seven angels who stand before God. The Revelation is addressed to seven churches, and if you draw a line between each of the seven churches, you'll notice the appearance of a circle. The dreamer of Revelation was informed by the apocalyptic visions of the Hebrew Bible, and in the Hebrew Bible, seven is a symbol of completeness, and circles are symbols of unity. The dream has its moments of incomprehensible illusion. Some of the stuff is symbolic in a way we may never understand, but here in the beginning of John's revelation, and again at the end, we are reminded that the dream is about the parallel tracks of heaven and earth, and that whatever is traveling down one will soon intersect with the other. It is, it was, and it will be. A couple years ago, I was traveling back from Washington, D.C., riding one of those moving sidewalks in the airport at Reagan International. In the terminal beforehand, I'd seen the news on CNN that the government had issued a travel warning to U.S. citizens urging them to avoid France. The chaos in France was on my mind as I was automatically transported by the mechanical sidewalk, solemnly, down the long hallway, towards my gate. The magic sidewalk seemed like it was made to move you slow enough to read each of the ads plastered on the walls all the way down the hall. One of the ads was for some consulting group that promised to remove all the inefficiency out of your business and simplify things through a combination of data analytics and fancy technology. The ad featured the tagline, the future is now. As I was standing on the sidewalk that moved, about to get on an airplane that flies real fast like a bird through the air and would get me home in an hour, I almost believed that the future is now. But then I remembered the travel warning and the terror that was engulfing the city of Paris, and I hoped that the business consulting people were wrong about the future being now. If the future is now, I thought to myself, I will trade a moving sidewalk and airplanes for the promise of no more senseless violence in the name of radicalized religion. I'll walk home if this is what the future looks like. The philosopher John Gray, writing in his book, The Soul of Marionettes, said, Humans have too little self-knowledge to be able to fashion a higher version of themselves. I think he is right. And in the book he argues that we need the dreams, stories, and myths of faith to make sense of a world that seems to resist our attempts to unilaterally impart a future that is an improvement on the past. The future is not now, as long as the dreams descending from heaven, the ones with alphas and omegas, beginnings and ends, seven strange spirits and Jesus by their side, don't get recorded and retold as a counter-narrative to the reality of a world where schools are filled with gunfire, church prayer meetings end in bloodshed, planes full of innocent people fall from the sky, 
because a bomb was snuck on board. But John's dream will not relent. The God who is, was, and will be isn't beholden to this future. This is not God's future. The curious among us might ask how a kingdom can at the same time be present but not yet fully realized. It's an honest question, deserving an appropriate response, considering the contradiction is apparent in more than just the academic sense. A few years back, the cover of our local newspaper highlighted the already but not yet reality of the kingdom of God on its front page. On that front page, there were articles about a shooting of a South Carolina sheriff's deputy, a report about a woman that killed her boyfriend, then herself, an Orangeburg County house fire that killed a 62-year-old man. And right beside these articles about a future that wasn't now was a story about an Army sergeant that escaped death after a roadside bomb exploded under his Humvee in Iraq while he was out on a routine patrol. Twenty months after the explosion that burned his entire body and singed the pigment of his face, Sergeant Terry Fleming testified to the kingdom of God in the present as he offered these words. I don't have all of my fingers, but I have my arms and legs. My face is going to be okay. Thank God. Side by side, the senselessness of death and the miracle of life. God is, was, will be. But you don't have to keep up with the news to detect the tension between John's dreams and reality. A close examination of your own life would witness to the kingdom of God, which is already coming, but not yet fully come. In the same breath, we manage to disparage one friend and love another. In seemingly the same motion, we act out of prideful self-interest in one moment and serve willingly in another, knowing that our contributions cannot be repaid. With one foot in the kingdom of God and another in a world that Jesus promised is passing, we are portraits of contradiction. But please don't take this tension for granted. It, too, shall be reconciled. This is not a cynical exercise of collective defeatism. God's entry into this world in the person of Jesus Christ did not inaugurate a cosmic battle to be fought into eternity. The kingdom of God has come near, and with this inauguration comes a guarantee signed in the blood of Christ that our present pain will be transformed into healing. The kingdom of God has come near, and with this inauguration is a promise that the redemption song of army sergeants will be sung by each of us. God is, was, and will be. Hold on to the dream that descended down from heaven. The future is not now. It is, it was, and it will be. The God we worship has given us a glimpse into the heavens through the revelation of John. What we see there is better than what we know now. Go, try to dream like John with your eyes wide open. Leave them open so that you can see Jesus coming every day 
like a cloud. I've told you, I've got some friends who claim they don't dream. They are the same ones that think the future is now. If we stop dreaming, eternity will stop speaking. It is, it was, it will be. Amen. Our day one preacher today was the Reverend Amos DeSasa, co-pastor of the downtown church, a Presbyterian church in Columbia, South Carolina. His message is entitled, Is, Was, and Is to Come. For a free printed transcript, call us toll-free at 1-888-411-DAY1. That's 888-411-3291. Or write to us at Day 1, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. To listen again to today's program, share a sermon transcript, or watch inspiring videos, visit us online at day1.org. And remember, Day 1 depends on the financial contributions of our faithful listeners. If you appreciate our ministry, please consider sending a donation. We're grateful for your much-needed support. I'm Sherry Miller. Next week, the Reverend Amos DeSasa returns to Day One with a sermon entitled, The Water Will Hold You. Be sure to tune in.
uh, people who are in broken relationships, those relationships are healed. Uh, people who are in, um, you know, uh, broken economic systems, um, through working towards uh, wholeness in those, I think that's how you live out the dream, uh, is to work to make things whole. And you encouraged us to go try to dream like John with our eyes wide open, leave them open so that we can see Jesus coming every day like a cloud. How do we become more intentional about this? As I did say in the sermon, um, as I was talking about the moving sidewalk, there are Uh a lot of things that are competing for our attention, and our attention is a valuable resource. And so it's not just a matter of paying close attention to something else, but also finding a way to tune out all of the noise the static, Mm -hmm. the stuff that is not eternal, is not going to last, the the moments in which we're being sold something, Mm -hmm. um, being encouraged uh, to do something uh, and told that it's in our best interest, but it's really just so someone else can make some money. Mm -hmm. I think we have to pay close attention to who we are around, who we choose to be be friends with, Mm who we choose to spend our time with. And... Yeah, I think at that point, uh, if we're able to tune, begin to not just tune in to what's happening in front of us, but to also learn how to tune out uh, the noise mm-hmm. and the static that's mm-hmm. in our world, then I think at that point we can begin to see, hear Jesus coming in the form of a cloud. Amos, what's one thing from your sermon today that you hope our listeners will keep in mind in the days ahead? This may sound trite, especially for I think a preacher that, that likes words, but I, I think it's as important as anything else that I might have said, and that's just to not lose hope, mm. not give up, that the possibility of eternity eventually intersecting with our present reality is something to be hopeful about. Mm. Hey, Mr. Sasa, thank you for being with us, and we look forward to having you back next week. I'll look forward to it as well. Day One is the voice of America's mainline Protestant churches. Visit us online at dayone.org. Our program is recorded and edited by Donald Jones and produced by Peter Wallace. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sherry Miller wishing you all God's blessings on Day One and forever.
looking for a little morning inspiration? Well, listen to Morning Inspiration and the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
As a bonus, we'll throw in a leaking gas tank. You could be driving and kaboom! Adds that zing of excitement. You got any other cars? Wouldn't it be great if you could be warned of life's risks? If you have diabetes, you can. There's a simple blood test called A1C that can help measure your risk of complications from diabetes. Why is it important? Because more than 600 people every day die from diabetes and its complications. If your A1C is above 7, your doctor can show you how to lower it. If you have diabetes, know your risk. Know your A1C. Ask your doctor. Or for more information, go to www.diabetesa1c.org or call 1-877-TEST-A1C. Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation International, and the Ad Council. Come on. Come on. Laptops, MP3 players, cameras, video games, cell phones. In times like these, schools can become a shopping mall for thieves. Don't become a victim of crime. Leave your valuable stuff at home, and if you do have to bring them to school, keep them with you. Write down their serial numbers, and don't flash expensive items around. Be smart. If you have something cool, there's a good chance someone else will want it too. Keep cash and ATM cards in a secure place, and never give anyone your PIN number. And don't leave your school bag lying around where it can become a temptation to someone else. If you have something stolen, report the situation immediately. The sooner you tell someone, the better the chance you'll get it back. Visit ncpc.org to learn more about how to prevent school theft. That's ncpc.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to live. He has done the impossible time after time. He has, out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings.
This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Thank you. 
And by the way, if you still feel a little fearful about facing your hardships, don't forget to stop by my radio page at johnnyandfriends.org and ask for a booklet, Breaking the Bonds of Fear. Remember, it's National Cancer Prevention Month, and you may know someone who is struggling with this disease, or someone dealing with pain, or someone battling anxiety. This free booklet is just the remedy. And I know the biblical insights will really bolster their spirits, so don't forget, we'll look for you later on on my radio page today at johnnyandfriends.org. In November 2004, Jose was sentenced to eight years for committing a gun crime. His wife and two sons were left alone. Uh, today I want to talk to you about being arrested. My family has suffered immensely. They're the ones that really suffered the most for my decisions that I've made in my life. When you were arrested and uh, you went to jail, what were you thinking about? My, my kids, my wife, my mother, my brother, my dad. That's what I thought about the most. Do you think your boys know what's going on? It's kind of hard for them, so they just deny it. What would you tell young kids? I mean, just think about your family first. Your family always comes first, and your family's always going to be there for you. If you could do things over again, what would you change? Um, I would try to change the mistakes that I've made in my life, because um, your family suffers, especially your kids. That's a pain I would never want to put them through ever again. When you commit a gun crime, your family serves the sentence with you. Gun crimes hit home. Brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times? when we were more active and ate more healthy foods, and you checked on me every once in a while. Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Good morning. This is your early Sunday morning gospel program. More inspirations with Stevie Wonder and the Kurt Carr Singers. And hold on to your dreams.
tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for Nation Talk, Real Talk, Real Issues. That's tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, right here. Well, that's going to do it for yours truly until tomorrow, until, I'm sorry, until tonight. Until then, God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday, and we'll see you at a church near you. Here's Petra.
Would you join with me, please, in prayer? Pray with me, Lord Jesus. I am a sinner. Jesus, thank you that you loved me enough that you became a man and died on the cross and paid the price for all the wrong things that I have done. I'm sorry for my sin. It's my sin that puts you on that cross. And I'm sorry. I don't want to live in rebellion to you anymore. I ask you to forgive me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead, from the death of sin. You are giving me a new life, the life of Jesus Christ. For God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart, and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. Well, let me ask you, friends, in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message. For there is no other way, there is no other way. Oh, come to him, come to the Saviour tonight. Come to him just as you are. Come to him in your sin. Come to him in all your needs. Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself to
the Tram Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.